coming up on this week's episode of the Big Footy Podcast. We talk all about the latest news and current events from the AFL. We preview this week's matches. And later on, we look at the Gold Coast Suns. All this and more, coming right up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Podcast, and I am the Wookiee with me tonight, uh, a wonderful bunch of people. So good evening to the famous messenger. Hey, Perfume Scorpion, how you going? <laughs> <laughs> and a man who hasn't won any of the AFL Media Association's awards, SM. Unfortunately, still waiting. And joining us for the first time on the Big Footy Podcast, a man who hasn't won the Australian Sports Commission Lifetime Achievement Award for contribution to sports journalism's Good evening, Sons. G'day, mate. The night is young, but it's a pleasure to be on talking footy with some of the fellow obsessies. <laughs> that it is, guys. We're going to get straight into it tonight because it has been a relatively uh, reasonable week for football with uh, the first round being over and done with. Uh, what were your highlights from round one? Can I can I just uh, continue my uh, my line in hair watch? I, I was stunned and bedazzled by the head of hair on uh, young Eli Templeton, and uh, it's good to see the uh, he, uh, Dyson Heppel's sister get it going. It's fantastic. <laughs> it is that's, an awful head of hair. That's <laughs> shocking. Stop it right now. Oh, yeah. Bryce off. Gibbs still wins the award for me. Bryce Gibbs, I don't know what he's doing. He's yeah, doing the headband is a, just a little bit uh, too much. I don't know. Have you guys seen Michael Hurley this year? Yes, we commented on it in the first one. <laughs> you have to be a cast member of the Mikado to have hair like that. Ah, oh, terrible. Or an actual samurai. <laughs> and he is neither of those. He's just the cab driver's friend. So... <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Messenger's highlight is hair. SM, what was your highlight uh, for the week? Um, Seeing West Coast roll, the dogs was pretty entertaining. Um, I had a sneaky suspicion pre-season that West Coast would do pretty well this year, so it was good to see them get off to a good start, I guess. Um, And I guess it was always a highlight to get through a week of footy and not have have any points dropped for the Swans. Always a highlight. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, Suns, your team won on the in the first round. How, how's uh, how, what was your highlight for the week? Oh, absolutely. Um, probably for me, just seeing the expansion teams, both of them, uh, bit of sticking it up the old Victorians, traditionalists there, and um, just uh, I forgot the word, the words that to use um, the, the negative we- media that we get about the expansion teams. Is it's good to see that it's finally. Um, going the other way. Mm. So, are we going to put up with this from the young whippersnapper? Is this, what, is this what's going to happen now? Is this, is this what's going to happen now? Yeah, well, it'll be a change from you going on about winning the flag, so... <laughs> don't, don't you worry, I haven't forgotten the first uh, the first uh, podcast for the season. I haven't I haven't mentioned it yet. Nah, moving, moving along. All right, uh, where am I? My highlight for the week was, of course, uh, the GWS uh, victory, my team having lost... I thought the, the game, the GWS game, was awesome. Just the way they played, the way they outplayed the Swans. Sorry, SM. Um, yeah. I, I, I just thought that was a great game. I thought it was great for the game overall. Um, just and good for them to get a good start to the season. And then, of course, the fact that Collingwood and Richmond both lost as well was uh, 
a bit of a bonus. Essendon, uh, you know, I'm in two minds over the Essendon and the North game because it's always funny when North lose. <laughs> but um, are we recording this? Seriously, there's not much fun. Yes, we of course we are. <laughs> <laughs> there's not there's not much funnier than when a North lose just to see the reaction from Chris Scott, but. Uh, well, he's only got two and a half more years of his contract. Yeah, so narrow losses are plenty there. Narrow, yeah, that's <laughs> Just not... He's like that train that just can't get enough. It's the little train who can't. I think I can. <laughs> I think I can. What do you mean there's a fourth quarter? I don't want a fourth quarter. Oh, no. It's too hard. <laughs> anyway. Uh, moving... Along uh, and there's been a fair bit in the news this week, and I thought I'd uh, bring up a few key points with you guys just to uh, see what you guys thought on some things. And uh, prosecutor's not here, and hopefully he'll join us later on in the program. But uh, for the time being, SM, the Swans have uh, become the fourth team uh, today, announcing that they've broken their record for memberships, and uh, they uh, attribute some of this to the buddy factor. I know this pain's messing you a little bit, so it's with some glee that I ask you this. Um, is there any truth to that? Is there, is there more than that? Is there a buzz going on? What, what's the reason for this? I, I do have, I do agree. I do think it's the buddy factor because I remember I was on um, for one of the first podcasts and mentioned that at the intra club we actually had about two or three thousand people turn up, and we'd ordinarily get about five hundred. So I do think there's definitely a buzz around the city about Franklin. Um, I think there's a lot of expectation on the club. Um, I think there's making making the top four last year, winning the grand final the year before that. There's signs that we're sort of, sort of you know we'll be challenging for the title, and everyone knows that everyone in Sydney loves a winner. So I think everyone's just jumping on at the right time. Um, I think signing Buddy, the high profile nature of it, and just the fact that it shows our intent to go out and challenge again, um, definitely I think that's definitely contributed to it. Is is if uh, the city's all a buzz about Buddy, is Buddy buzzing around the city? Um, yeah, well, you know, there's, buzz, there's, buzz. there's. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure Buddy's having a bit of fun around. I, you know, he'll probably have to borrow a mate's car to get around for a little while, but um, I'm sure he'll find a way to have have fun as only Buddy does. I've seen, I've seen some uh, video on 360 last night of him cavorting about the beach. With, yes, uh, he likes the beach. Yeah, with, with several attractive blondes hanging around. Hang so, on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Didn't he move to Sydney for a woman? Well, yes. Well, yeah. at, at least it, 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 you know, it, was, it was all about he's love. Not got, not... He's not gone back to one ton, has he? <laughs> I think the interesting thing about Buddy is that he's very naive in that he thinks that I'm in Sydney now. No one's going to know who I am. I can get away with doing whatever I want in public. But it's, it's only taken about a month or so, and he's already a very high-profile player up here. And he can't really get away with much without making, you know, papers. He may have underestimated the notion of national media these days. Yes. It, it, it would have been, like, in, when Tony Lockett went up there, media was yeah. very much still localised. Um, but uh, it's it's it, we've moved on since then, and now, uh, now it doesn't take much more than a phone call to send a reporter down there with a mobile phone. And his camera, and just go, ha ha, buddy's doing this. Well, well exactly. Well, the, the thing that will make it easier for him is, at some point, he will actually produce, and it, it'll happen. He'll, he'll have a, he'll have some good games uh, at some point. But um, I've already, I've already got the date we play Essendon circled in the calendar, 
as the you know the fallback option. If he doesn't produce before then, at least he'll kick his bag of seven or eight that week. If he, the the team the only other team he loves playing more than Essendon is Collingwood. Oh, well, perfect. He time. goes. He he has a very good time against the Pies. So uh, you'd be although you're playing on the cow paddock this week, aren't you? We are. Yes. Apparently, it's uh, not in too good a condition. Really? Of course not. Really? Um, oh. Just for a change. Uh, yeah. No, Shocking that, That's that, 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 I find that hard to believe. I, I did. I did notice that uh, Essendon get a a reason well how giving themselves a reasonable chance to beat Hawthorne this week. Yeah. Uh, with Buddy out, so you know, any, well, any excuse in a storm. Like, <laughs> he's something like thirty-two goals in five games against them, or something ridiculous like that. No, oh, he, so, he was doing it for laughs. He was doing wait. it for laughs in the end. Look, Essendon are uh, Essendon are a legitimate shot this weekend. They are a legitimate shot. Yeah, Paul sure. Chapman into that mix as well, and he's um he's had a pretty good run against Hawthorne lately. Apart from that grand final. <laughs> All right, messenger. Yes. Um, I, I did give you some forewarning of this, but uh, Dale Garlett has quit and been released by the Hawks. He has, um, yes. I, the first podcast for the year, I did allude that this might happen uh, early on. And, and I might have poo-pooed the idea you, that that you, might happen. You did indeed. Um, I might have, yeah. In fact, it, I, I won't deny it because it's on iTunes. It's, um, it's not It's not something I, I view with any glee. Um, it uh, no, just it needed, was it something that I did expect to happen. Um, it does lead me to ask, though, uh, given that this does seem to be happening with some regularity, and given that um, there was a, the recruiting guy whose name escapes me uh, was specifically talking about this particular issue pertaining to young Aboriginal footballers. You're talking about Matt Rendell? Matt Rendell, that's the one. Yes. And uh, he specifically mentioned that this was uh, an issue when it came to recruiting young Aboriginal men um, to play football, and people were basically labelling him as racist and whatnot because of it. Is is uh, do we have a problem with the way we treat not just young Aboriginals but young recruits in general? Um, we do get very young men into very intense professional environments very early but most of them do well in it and you would think that they either pass they either fail or succeed on their own merits uh, I, I think Dale Garlett particularly has some other issues underlying it he has apparently had a wretched childhood an absolutely wretched childhood and um, he certainly has some other aspects of his life which are not optimum for being a professional athlete, shall we say. Mm. Um, well, I, I don't know. I mean, in, 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 in years past, they came, what it would have been, two nights of training a week and match on sat- Saturday and see you on Tuesday again. Yeah, in it's, time. it's a seven-day-a-week job now. And uh, but, but by the same token, they, they can't be... They, they can't be ignorant of that fact now, surely. When they put the name in to be drafted, they would surely know what they are getting themselves in for to some degree. I just I just wonder if perhaps we're bringing these young guys over from like Perth and Adelaide and Darwin and from far across from wherever they're from and we're bringing them into Melbourne where it is very much a fishbowl lens. There's a lot of media that focuses on a lot of football. You've got no chance to stuff up. You've got no chance whatsoever to uh, get away with anything once you start playing up. 
there's not a lot of room for individual behaviour in that in that kind of fishbowl either. And so you're automatically subjected to a lot of pressure for a 17 or 18 year old that's fresh out of you know under 18s. I just I just wonder whether that's too much and whether these players would be benefiting from uh, you know in, in times past these guys would have come up through clubs under 18s they would have come up through clubs reserves and they would have had development the whole way through. These guys are coming out of under 18s programs straight into the AFL and I, I just wonder if we're doing the right thing by that. I guess look from from the Gallet situation. Gallet is twenty. Mm. He's he he spent an entire year talking to Hawthorne. He spent apparently he spoke to Alistair Clarkson, if not monthly, more than monthly. He was preparing himself mentally to do it. Yeah. He came here. He got here in November, and by February, Mar- end of March, he's gone, and he played two scratch matches, mm. and went to South Africa on a camp. That was it. I mean, so. He, again, it's it's about he's gearing, so he's volunteering for it. There are no victims; there are yeah. only volunteers. I would say um, it is certainly true that there was a more a more um, a, 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 so how would I put this? The progression wasn't as steep. You know, you you were, you were on a bigger list. You had more time to develop. Um, Hawthorne were fa- famous for people spending years and years playing reserves football. But those days are gone, and, and it, but it's, it shouldn't be a shock to anybody. It shouldn't be a shock to no. anybody, I don't think. So, yeah. And look, from Hawthorne's point of view too, I mean, I know there's a few people who are saying, well, they were crazy to try it. I, I, I think the, the optimism, the, the idea is good. I mean, you, you, you took a, a pick in the late 30s in a supposedly weak draft and you, and you took a high-risk, high high-reward pick and it didn't work out. Well, sometimes you're going to say these things don't work out. You, you move on and, and uh, continue with the guys you got. You, you can't really argue that it could have gone either way. Like, I mean, the, the potential for the guy to be a superstar at, at, at the highest level was, was pretty high given his, oh, yeah. uh, he, he was strongly recommended out of the waffle. Yeah, absolutely. Just um, for some people, I guess they just uh, they can either cut it or they can't. I mean, it could have, uh, at Carlton, his cousin uh, Jeff Garlett mm. could have, could have easily gone the same way. Same, you know, same tough upbringing. You know, basically got brought up in the back of a car, slept in the back of his car when he got to Melbourne. Like just all that sort of stuff yeah. could have very easily gone the same way. But a lot of these guys too, and I'm not necessarily talking about the Aboriginal lads, but. They're in underage environments which try to mimic the professional environment. And obviously it's never going to be exactly the same, but they're getting inculcated into that, that idea of, of team ethos and, and, and being involved in a, in, a, in a professional environment. And really it's not forever for these guys. Most of these guys are in and out of the league in, what, three or four years is the average time yeah. for, for most of these guys. So it's it's a it's a brief life experience across the whole spectrum of what they'll do in their life. It, it does make and, sorry. It does make me wonder if perhaps we would benefit from not recruit like not allowing clubs to recruit players until they turn you know twenty, mm, and giving them the chance to develop professionally at a local could, level. Well, you could do that, but I mean, I guess the other thing is, do you make lists bigger? And you, the other really the 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 progression has been made steeper by by the size of the list. Yeah. So if you've only got thirty eight guys, you can't carry too many too many guys who aren't ready. 
if the lists were as they were, say, back in the 90s, they were 45.50, well, then you can say, okay, well, we're going to put you on the list and we're going to leave you there for two years and you're going to kick it and you're going to kick the ball around in the VFL for two years and we're going to see, or even three or, or longer. But, but really now you're expected to be producing most players. If you're a midfielder, you really have to have to have a game under your belt within the first two seasons. Yeah. All right. Um, for me, I was. Uh, we've got no one from Adelaide here, so it falls to me to uh, bring up things like the Adelaide Oval opening this weekend. There is a lot of buzz about the city. Um, Port and uh, Adelaide are both into record membership. I mean, Port are smashing their membership record at the moment. <laughs> and uh, Adelaide... When you say smashing, how much? It's at last count. We're talking like 50% on top of last year's membership. Wow. I think. Is that just the oval or is that the success? It's it, it, it helps that the success of last year comes on top of it. But they are, yeah, where are they? Currently sitting at 141% of last year's total at the same time. Wow. So, <laughs> that's that's not too bad. So they win a few more games early and that could really blow out into anything, couldn't it? Adelaide are at 123% of their total from last year, which isn't too bad. But, uh, you know, there are four clubs that have broken their records. Adelaide and Port Adelaide are way ahead. Um, it, it's kind of funny that there are more memberships in uh, Adelaide and Port Adelaide than the entire NRL, but that's another story. Um, the one thing I don't understand about the stadium setup is that I saw it on um, Fox Sports News yesterday. They were showing off some of the features, and you can see the players warming up in the inside room while you're having a beer. Yeah. I, just, I don't understand the, the appeal of that, really, but for the players or the, all the patrons. Yeah, no. We've got the same thing here up at Metricon Stadium. Um, granted, it's only for the the richer um, corporate yeah, members. Yeah, it's the but, same thing here. But um, it's still an option for yep. people to do that. And I don't know if that affects the players on game day or not. But that can be pretty distracting. Yeah. Uh, before we before we move on, guys, uh, was there anything in the news that caught your eye this week? I think the whole ten you heard things been fascinating, um, and obviously heard survived the board meeting as I think most people thought he would but I I don't see how the league actually comes down on somebody who's not an employee of a football club. I don't see how the Essendon board can do that Um, this doesn't seem like it was a league thing, this seems like it was the Essendon board, in fact everything that's been coming out the last couple of days seems like an Essendon board going oh crap (laughs) so but yeah I think it was all predictable uh I mean, they they can't afford to pay pay out uh, Herd's contract in any case, and um, I don't think oh, I don't think Herd would take it even if they offered to. So they they have no basis on which to dismiss him anyway. Well, that's a big call. I don't know. Once you start putting yourself over the top of the club, I mean, there's probably no legal basis for it, and that's where the problem is. But uh, yeah, they. Uh, the, they just they can't afford to pay him out in any case. What do we think of the split round? Yes, no, no, I hate it. Yeah, not make, a fan. Make the bad round stop, please stop. <laughs> I tell you what was good from the first round though. There does appear to be a, a change in umpiring interpretations um, that several of us noticed. Um, what did you guys think of the umpiring? It was fantastic. 
I think it was definitely noticeable how much the umpires are letting things go in the first round. Um, just, it, it seems to be, and hopefully it's not a one-off, but a, a more free-flowing style uh, in the first couple of weeks. And uh, I think the numbers come down to an average of 30, 32 free kicks per game were given in round one. But uh, if you take out the... Sydney GWS game, which was played in horrible conditions, I think that dropped down to um, 29 free kicks average, which just eclipses the record for the last 15 years or something like that. So do we reckon that's going to stay that way? It it always... It it morphs as the season goes, and and then they'll have their rule du jour, and they'll have to tighten up on things and what have you. Well, does, <coughs> does anyone think it has anything to do with the departure of KB and Jeff Geeshan? I don't think it's got anything to do with Kevin Bartlett, perhaps with Jeff Geeshan. Yeah. Wayne Cable's got them umpiring in teams as well. Mm. Yeah. What so. do you mean by in teams? Well, the, the, group, the, the field umpires are actually... Uh, they're in a group of team of three or four, I think maybe with the with the emergency, and that group each round are going to games. So the three guys who who did um, Hawthorne Brisbane will do another game together, and I think they're they're grouped together for the first six weeks. I wasn't and aware of that, but that's that's a fantastic idea. I think. Yeah, I, I think that's great. I don't think, and whether they rotate or whether they abandon, I don't know. But certainly for the first six weeks, they're actually been grouped together. So, yeah. I almost reckon they should be put in a team for the whole year. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, if there's if there's situations where that can't happen, then fair enough. But I just think the more that they play, they they umpire games together, the more they can kind of build off each other, and you get much more consistency. Yeah, I, think I, you, I guess. You prob- sorry, the other thing too about umpiring though is that assessments are individual. Yeah. So if they are being assessed as a team. I guess the question is, if you've got an umpire who's underperforming, how does that affect the other guys? Can they can they isolate that guy's performance out from the rest of his teammates? I think it runs yeah. both ways, really. Yeah, it could do. Yeah, it could make could make bad umpires better or yeah. poorer performing umpires better. But yeah, I two things I just wanted to notice about this round is that first the match review panel has shown. Enormous common sense this week. Um, they've let some 50-50 contests go, but the things they've come down on are, are silly off-the-ball things, like Andrew Walker throwing Monfries into the fence yeah. in, uh, in the first week and, and, and Rockcliffe knocking Mitchell over 40, 40 metres off the ball. Um, they're sort of the things that they can just say straight away, look, you're not doing that anymore. But they're letting genuine contrast contest go. I mean, I think Marco Paparone could have gone for one of those two hits on Hodge last year, but um, thankfully they've they've seen some uh, common sense. Well, let's, let's hope that continues throughout the season. And one other thing, Wookie. Yes, ma'am? Interchange counts. Very low. Oh. We've, had this, we've had the cap, interchange cap at 120, and most of the teams are coming in well below it. Yeah, which is interesting, I, given that like guys like Mick Malthouse and that were really the pioneers of you know the ultra use of uh, interchange, and now they are, aren't using it to the maximum extent. They are unusing it, yes. 
But Malthouse showed signs of doing that last year. He was uh, already below the 120 average, which was kind of bizarre. Hmm. So... I wonder uh, if that could change as the season goes on, though. As plays fatigue more, um, get get a bit more miles into the legs. Whether that's going to go up or down? Yeah, I don't know. Carlton, Carlton did it all year last year, and uh, it kind of worked for him. It kind of didn't, but yeah, I don't know. You would think as the season goes on that that number might even get lower if they're fitter. Yeah. If they get there, because they're still probably not quite 100% match condition right now. No, I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. yeah. Maybe the cap will come down even further. Well, I think that's the, that's the plan, isn't it? That they're just going to try and scale it down further, depending on, I guess, the results from this season. Um, but there weren't that many teams that were rotating at above 120 last year, were there? I think from memory, we weren't. I, I can't think, I can't well, think I, of any teams would have been. Say- I know one of the criticisms of if you talk, listen to guys like Kevin Bartlett and Jaron Healy, their criticism of it is the cap's so high that it's meaningless. That really, in well, effect, when yeah. you've got 120, plus you can change four blokes or three blokes at each um, at each siren, so you've effectively got 129, and it's not even a, it's not a cap. But Kevin Bartlett thinks you should just have the 19th man, so. I'm not sure how, how worthwhile he is to listen to. <laughs> I think it's because when he started playing, it was only a 19th man. It, yeah, it can yeah. be highlighted um, how little it does mean. Uh, I know Gold Coast, for example, we had 71 interchanges for the match, um, yet we were two players down, playing in the humidity and that. So it's, it's yeah, it's interesting, but I think clubs will work around it and... Um, They'll learn to deal with it. I don't think it's going to be that big of an issue as what people are making it out. Anyway, moving on. Uh, well, we need to uh, look at this week's games very quickly. And coming up, uh, Richmond-Carlton. Now, this is uh, what we would define as a traditional start to the season, even though Richmond-Carlton games in round one really only started in 2008. Um <laughs> But uh, it, it does look like the season is finally going to kick into gear. There's some very big games. Richmond-Carlton, Essendon-Hawthorne, uh, the showdown, um, Melbourne and West Coast. No. Bulldogs-North Melbourne. No. <laughs> um, what are we looking forward to, guys? What 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 catches your eye? And uh, what Well, Essendon-Hawthorne is going to be a very good game. Hawthorne's... And, and, Backline does look a little Lilliputian right now with the absence of B Lake. But, um, uh, yeah, I think Essendon are a massive chance to knock off the reigning premiers. I, I, I find it curious, like, given that the whole reason we had the split round and everything was, and, and, and it was early was because we didn't have the MCG. Now we've got the MCG, and Essendon Hawthorne is at Etihad. Now, I know the reasons why that is. I know the contract reasons and everything, but it is it does strike me as odd that that game, uh, which could easily, you know, get sixty to 70,000 at the MCG, is going to be limited to uh, Etihad Stadium on Friday night. Well, it needn't, it needn't surprise you, Wookie, because they do it every year now. 
Well, they do it every year. Yeah. We only play once, and it's always an Essendon home game, and it is always at freaking Eddie Head Stadium, and well, I never go to it. That is that is to do with the contract terms that state that you have to have at least a dozen games, uh, thirty games with a potential sellout. So Essendon's home games are pretty much all of them, so, <laughs> unless it's yes. the real, unless it's you know you know the really big clubs that you know matter in terms of rivalries and not these Johnny Come Latelys that yes, uh, well, you know win a flag or so in recent times and all of a sudden it's oh look at us we're good now yeah no, no, you know no, those no. you know let's ooh, let's join the league in 1925 and make ourselves relevant 50 years later no um make ourselves the most successful team in the last 50 years yeah 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 yeah. pick arbitrary uh time periods and you know proclaim ourselves the most successful yeah. anyway uh <laughs> but uh that that game is going to be a cracker uh, Essendon giving themselves every chance, uh, you know, some would say doing whatever it takes even. <laughs> but, uh, may, uh, and perhaps leading some to speculate that there was underhanded dealings in Buddy going off to uh, GWS, oh, not GWS, to uh, the Swans. <laughs> uh, maybe Essendon played a role in that secretly as well. Or feeding him and making him fat. So, so, <laughs> some sort of royal commission. Maybe, maybe there was a honey trap set. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe, and this, you know, I stress here that this is only idle speculation and I've no proof otherwise. But, you know, has anyone seen proof that the woman that uh, Buddy Franklin went to Sydney for wasn't actually Tanya Heard? Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That is... It's that's... all making sense now. I'm just saying, they needed to get a win. They needed to break the hoodoo over Essendon somehow, uh, over Hawthorne somehow, and this looks like it could be their best shot for a while. I don't I don't think they will, but <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, they, they, they're a legitimate chance. They're a legitimate chance this week. Can we, can we also talk about now, St Kilda were very, very pleased. In fact, slightly overly pleased to have beaten <laughs> Melbourne last weekend. <laughs> it was their was... grand final. It was their grand final. Pity it's March. <laughs> and they playing GWS, the Swans Vanquishers, as we like to call them now. No, um, no one likes to call them that. It's, it's not a thing yet. It's I, not a thing. Now, Wookie, you know my theory on St Kilda, don't you? They're crap. They are not very good at professional football. <laughs> right. um, Sorry, I think <laughs> I think GWS might actually snag an away win this week. Well, we're going to learn a lot about them, aren't we? I mean, we learned a bit last week. We're going to learn a lot more about them this week. Um, Eddie had, hasn't been the happiest of honey grounds for GWS. But then again, what grounds have? Yes. So um, we're going to learn a lot. And I don't think that the Saints have the lineup to contain the GWS forwards. Uh, Phil Davis being out for GWS uh, is a bit of a blow. They've so, got that big guy with the funny ears. He could do. He could do a does job. He, does he have a name? Uh, his name might be Frost. <laughs> I guy. like to think of his big ears. <laughs> big ears. We're not, we're not. We're not shallow here at all at the Big Footy Podcast. Not at all. Uh, well, sh- I, I had a thread that I, I chucked up on the main board last week, which is about the fact that if you look at GWS's first four games, they've got St Kilda this week, and then they've got Melbourne and then the Western Bulldogs. 
So it's yeah. a very winnable first four games for them. They're the a good chance of being four zero, really. <laughs> exactly, they're, yeah. they're, they are a chance, and they especially round five as well. If you want to, uh, to do they really? Yeah. So uh, how huge would that be? <laughs> that, well, given Gold Coast's uh, demolition of Richmond, you'd. Uh, it's going to be a top of the table clash come round five. Gold, Gold Coast have got Frio this week <laughs> at <laughs> Patterson Stadium, so I don't really give them much chance. Of, uh, of of getting over the top there. We could always be surprised, and stranger things have happened. Um, have, they, have they really? Yeah, Fremantle got... <laughs> oh, well, no. Not that strange. Not that strange. <laughs> That'd have to be pretty strange. Swans have got Collingwood at ANZ Stadium in, yes. in, a, in something of a blockbuster. No. Um, uh, no. Was, was, no. Not a blockbuster. In a, in a modern in a modern day blockbuster at the, at the <laughs> ANZ Stadium. No. I was going to say uh, the, the thing I'm looking forward to this weekend is the uh, Collingwood, uh, the Carlton, Richmond, and Collingwood Swans games because the losers from those two games start two z- uh, zip two, and are now very very long outsiders for a top four spot. So there's a lot of pressure on those four teams. Collingwood were absolutely horrendous last game. Yeah. Yeah. They were. It was. That was very bad. Well, Carlton weren't much better in the last quarter of their game. They did all right for the first three. Yes, but really, you're not really exceeding. You're about you've set the expectation levels. You think they're going to finish tenth? That's about right. North Melbourne and the Bulldogs is an interesting one. I thought the, not, Bull, the not really, Bull, I thought the Bulldogs were actually okay in their game this weekend. Well, last weekend the North were less than desirable. The, the Bulldogs that lost by 60 points to West Coast were yeah, okay? Yeah, in Perth. In Perth. Uh, in Perth. Yeah. And, and West Coast were very good by all accounts. And you look go... at the way, the, the way that the Dogs improved towards the end of last year and you just didn't see that same intensity from them. I don't, I don't think, anyway. Well, maybe. How many, how many games do you think West Coast will lose in Perth this year? Oh. It's not going to be many. If we play them over there, I'd chalk us up because we're about the only team that has a good record against them there. I, I, I think you'll find they might drop one. They look Maybe. really good. It'll be Frio, yeah. the one that yeah, they Yeah, that'll be Frio. Yeah. yeah, that's it. But uh, you got the, the showdown in Adelaide this weekend as well. Um, somewhat disappointing for uh, actually Adelaide. This is the Twilight game on Saturday, which means it's not shown around the country. It's only going to be shown in Adelaide and on Fox. Surely it should be. Well, at least if it's shown on Fox, it'll be shown in HD. It it should have been the night game, I think, which is the Swans and Collingwood blockbuster. No. Oh. <laughs> can, we, can we do blockbuster in, in, in commas, please? No, I'm just saying blockbuster to annoy you now. Yeah, you, and you're bloody working, too, just quietly. Well, uh, Port Adelaide, the Port Adelaide game is going to be a cracker, though. Um, that, that'll that be a sellout. Richmond Carlton will sell pretty well. Um... It'll be fun to watch Richmond go down again. Uh, Essendon and Hawthorne will be a big game. Brisbane and Geelong at the Gabba. Sneaky, sneaky good game, this one. you got to remember, Brisbane won this fixture last season. Yep. They Didn't they were... win this fixture at Cadinia Park last season? No, and, no, and no, no. They were very close. They were close. It was, wasn't, it, wasn't it Rockcliffe or someone... Skidded the boot off his boot to lose the game in the last minute. Skidded the boot off his boot. Oh, yes. The ball off his boot. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, <laughs> they, Actually, they were pretty good on I was, Sunday. I was going to say, Messenger, Brown kicked four goals against you. 
Brown was playing on Kyle Cheney. Um, so, with the greatest respect. Hey, look, Brown was okay. Um, the midfield was good. They were game. And they, they ran hard. And they looked much better under the tutelage of Justin Lepic. They'll win a few more than I thought they would this season. And um, they came from a long way behind against Geelong at the Gabba last season. They were like seven, uh, six or seven goals down at three-quarter time and won. Um, unless I'm mixing my games up. But um, they will be stern opposition for the Kitty Cats. Mm. I think having Tommy Rockliffe out is um, going to be the deciding factor. Like the, I just can't see Brisbane doing it. They haven't got that much kick in the midfield uh, to, to get over Geelong at the moment, I don't think. So Mel- Melbourne West Coast is the last game that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, oh. Mainly, it's at the MCG on Sunday afternoon. Um, yeah, I don't give Melbourne much chance here. It's... You know, I, I was watching watching them play that game style, and when you watched Sydney play the Paul Roos game style, a group of seasoned good footballers. It, it it was okay, but watching Melbourne play it, it's like watching a chimpanzee do its shoelaces up. You say, oh, you're amazed he can do it, but it really isn't that good. I mean, it's... it's No. No, no, no. No. Oh, no. Not Melbourne. Poor Melbourne. Poor Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be a lot worse before it gets a lot better. One suspects... Having said that, if you're Melbourne and all you and you look down and all you had to kick to was Cam Pedersen, you'd cert, you'd get disheartened soon. Now I like Cam <laughs> Pedersen; he was a great captain at Box Hill, but he is a he is a fringe AFL footballer, shall we say? They they would do so much better, even for just having Chris Dawes down there. They they look so much better. Yeah, it, and it is um, it is a shame about Mitch Clark as well. It is. You're right. It there's is. um, there's nothing, you know. There's no fun to be made of that. That's a not at all. You, you've got a feel for what that. About, what about Hogan? Is Hogan. Um, uh, has Hogan even played a CMU VFL game yet, or did he play last year? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't actually know. Um, Jack Martin <laughs> at. Son, sons, Jack Martin, what's his story? Uh, AC joint, so the early reports are saying he's going to be out for three months. Uh, it's indefinite at this stage. Yeah, he goes in for surgery, I think, sometime this week. So it's going to be a bit, yeah, long journey back for him, and it's a real shame with the effort he's put in over the last 12 months, really. Um, yeah, in the three minutes he was playing on the weekend, we didn't really get to see much more of what he can do outside of the three handballs he had. It didn't look like much when he did it. It really didn't look like he would have done himself such a severe injury. Well, the one thing that I learned from it, which I was unaware of, is it's an existing injury. So, oh. um, yeah, he it's something that he's been through before. Um, he knew straight away what he'd done. But it, it brings a little worry for a guy of his size and for someone who goes in so hard at the contest, that um, it, it does scare me that it could be a reoccurring thing. Yeah. yeah. All right. And before we wrap up, uh, Box Hill Hawks start yes. their VFL season this week. VFL also opting for a split round to start their season. 
course, because it works so well in the AFL. And uh, Box Hill will be on the a- the ABC this weekend playing uh, Williamstown, who are celebrating their 150th year as a club. So, can we also say uh, reigning VFL Premier's Box Hill Hawks? Sorry, the reigning Premier's Box Hill Hawks. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> That's going to get old very quickly. Not for me, mate. Not for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, if I can ask a question, how's um, young Mark Locke travelling down there at Box Hill? Doing quite well, actually. First first inaugural Gold Coast captain, wasn't he? That's correct. First best yep. and fairest winner. And um, the first first number I had on the back of my jumper as a GC17 fan in 2009. He's, uh, he, he's doing pretty well. I'm not sure that he'll ever make it back to AFL level. I think that probably I think that's probably passed him by. It's unfortunate, but, but it is. But we also the other one we've got down there is um, Sammy Isles. That's correct. Yep. Who now does a striking impersonation of Albie Mangles. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other thing I wanted to bring up before we wrap up tonight was uh, one of the board threads was concerning the first uh, player at each club to be paid a million dollars. And uh, in a season, and I wanted to just point out that uh, no player received a million dollars a season before the year 2007, uh, which makes it probable that it was Chris Judd who was the first. And then uh, two players in 2008, but currently uh, a high of eight in 2012 received a million dollars a season. So now five. Buddy is not one of those people now, though, is he? I don't know. I don't have 2014 figures, but I can tell you that five players in 2013 were paid a million dollars or more. I can also tell you that in 1989, yes, there, there were 145 players who earned under twenty thousand dollars a year, <laughs> and that the majority of the league, 448 players, were paid between naught and sixty thousand dollars. Uh, for the season, and the maximum payment was two hundred grand, and only four players in the entire league of five hundred and twenty-seven uh, playing list players uh, were actually paid uh, two hundred grand. That changed quite rapidly to the point where today, no player is paid under twenty grand. No player is paid under sixty grand. Uh, there are 48 players earning 60 grand or uh, 60 to 100 grand, and that's the lowest pay scale the AFL currently has players being paid for. So, is there a specific turning point and when that that changed? It actually lines up with the negotiations of the media deals. Okay. And so you can actually see them go up. So in 1992, the first player was paid more than 200 grand. Uh, in 1996, the first players were paid more than 300 grand. Um, in 1999, there was one player on 400 grand. I think that was Cuda. Um, yep. 400 grand legit or 400 grand in a brown paper bag? This is AFL official records. So okay, so this, Cuda this, was probably on a million then, wasn't he? This, this <laughs> includes things like um, any associated service agreements, uh, anything that was basically lodged officially with the AFL. Ladies and gentlemen, we are quite... Uh, pleased to be joined by Sons, who is obviously from the Sons Forum. And uh, I guess we're going to ask him some questions about Gold Coast. And uh, fire away, guys. And we're going to sign off now. And uh, unless any of you have something further you would like to add to tonight's podcast before my internet inevitably cuts out again. 
<laughs> oh, I think we better just get this get this over and done with. To... <laughs> yeah, not take any chances. Excellent. Thank you very much for coming on tonight, uh, Messenger. Good night, one and all. Thank you, SM, for making yet another valued appearance. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you, Sons, for uh, handing out your time. You're more than welcome. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you all on the forum.